Welcome to Cinema Bushido. This episode, we're talking about the 2011 Takashi Miike-directed 13 Assassins, a direct remake of the 1963 Aichi Kudo film. The movie follows a familiar plot to those who are fans of the genre. Some dickhead lord is raping and murdering the poor and weak, so a badass dude gets a whole team of people to take him down. They assemble at a village, and they do this whole Seven Samurai Home Alone thing <laughs> to the dude and his huge army, and they turn him into a big pool of bloody water. So, awesome film. Uh, with me... As always, it's the roofie in my pina colada, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day is a holiday. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm having a holiday, actually, for once, for real. I'm like three, I'm on my third Saturday. Like, you know, when you have like a three, four-day weekend, it's like Friday and then Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Anyway, so Sunday's, even tomorrow's still going to be a Saturday, and then I, Monday's going to be my Sunday. So... Now it, I'm just confused. What with, day is it? What's happening? With me as sometimes is the ice on my missing kidneys after that pina colada, Mr. Stephen Chow. How's it going, Stephen? It's going really well. Thank you for having me back. And hey, thanks for protecting my body uh, from dying while the people transport my kidneys to the Middle East, I guess. You're, you're welcome. Right. Anytime. All right. All right. Well, this movie is top-notch excellence. Um, not only just to the samurai genre, um, it's kind of a revenge film as well, but it's just a super underwatched, awesome film. Um, half of it's realistic samurai battle. Uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I for one get tired of the over-stylized samurai battles where it's kind of like they're using CGI and ropes and stuff, so people do like ballet while they're slashing. I just want to see somebody get slashed to death. But they want to throw a little Matrix in, and guess what? Nikkei didn't do that. He was pretty, um, I think he was pretty... Um, he paid great homage to the original one um, with some a few small differences. But we'll start with uh, Leroy Brown. What'd you think? Well, you know, I, I this was a, a movie I saw before we ever started doing Cinema Bushido, and so it has a lot of like uh, sentimental value to me. Hmm. And uh, when I watched it again, I kept thinking that this is the perfect movie for anybody who's not into the genre to get into the genre. It's beautifully shot. The sound is perfect. The story, the cast of characters is great. Like you said, like it's the old noblesse oblige. They gotta they gotta cut somebody from the royal lineage, and they gotta do it on the, on the sly because the shogun can't be caught killing his like half brother. And you know, Japanese villains just they have a like in America are in in the West. I think our villains are shameful, but their villains are like visceral just sadistic evil portrayals of 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 uh, of a villain you know it's like shockingly hor- horrendous what this guy does and yet that's kind of just how these movies go so you really want them to die within the first you know 10 minutes you see them and i i think it was just a really fun movie that it it, it you know, like you said there's a lot of tropes to the genre but i think it's a great movie for people who um, who are new to the to this kind of a cinema to get hooked and to, and to kind of walk down that path. Yeah, that's a great point. And you're right. Um, there's something like really despicable but honorable about him. Like, of course, he's like privileged. So he thinks he's just going to own people and like up to every part where he should be scared. He doesn't. He's never a cowering bad guy. And he stands by his own sleazy principles. It's pretty well done. Um, Stephen, how about you? Yeah, it's. I agree with Lee. Actually, it is a, a film that will get you hooked on the genre. Um, it has a, a very simple but absolutely perfect plot setup. 
um, which is, as you say, we've got this really, really evil dude, and Mikay uses his uh, horror chops to just set up how bad this guy really, really is. Um, and then it becomes this kind of guys on a mission thing where, you know, the team assembles. Um, and then finally, as you say, you get the the home alone kind of village of death uh, <laughs> sequence, which lasts for, I think, about 40 minutes. Um, I, I, I really love the way it starts out as, you know, as you say, home alone. All these tricks are being played on these men to sort of whittle down their numbers. But then by the end, it's just a it's just carnage, just men covered in blood, sliding around in the mud, killing each other. It's uh, one of the most in, in, you know incredible uh, sustained action sequences I think I've I've ever seen. Um, I, I really like what you say about the the villain. Uh, he is about as evil as it gets and i think that the thing that's sort of fun about him and i guess i slightly disagree with you on this is that um yes you're right that he he's never this kind of caring weakling except that at the end he sort of does become one when he realizes that he can die and and i like the idea of someone who has this uh existence of privilege and power god complex to the yeah yeah to, to the point where he he's almost bored with his life because nothing can touch him and he can do whatever he wants and so he gains pleasure from doing really really extreme things you know like during the final sort of action sequence he's deliberately causing trouble for his own side and sort of smirking and enjoy enjoying just enjoying the whole horror of the situation but i don't think at any moment he really honestly believes that he can die and that's why he never you know turns into a gibbering wreck because all the way through his life he's been totally untouchable, and then all of a sudden he realizes that he can die, and he 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 does turn into a sort of gibbering, bleeding wreck. So I thought that's a, re- a really uh, a complex uh, way of portraying this really sadistic, nasty piece of work. But uh, it's just a very very enjoyable movie f- from start to finish. Yeah, and it wasn't like that in the original. So those are the the few like touches. Uh... Having seen the um, the 1963 version not too long ago, um, and then following it up with this, it's a kind of amazing to see the little touches that Mikey brought in. Um, things like the the dismembered woman and the screaming and real horror things to, to kind of you know make your spine tingle. It's like holy shit stuff all the way down to this guy. He's not like that in the first one. He's just a first one. He's just a entitled asshole. Where this guy was creepy, like. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Um, why don't we? Do you think Mikay understands evil in a different way and understands horror in a different way? Perhaps. Well, I read Um, it. I read something from him where he said that he wanted to create something that had honor to the original, and I feel like he did that. Like he, it wasn't Mm. stupid. He didn't add in weird stuff. He kept the story dead on, which I think is what everybody likes. That's it. I feel like that's what I've heard Lee say even before we ever talked about doing this as a podcast. It was like this: it's the story. And maybe it was back when we did Seven Samurai or something like that, because they are very similar to pull the two together. That yes. I like the the aspect of the um, the Ronin and uh, the wild card uh, being Kinichi in the first one, and uh, oh, what's his name in this one, uh, Roy Royo or whatever Koyata. Yeah, yeah. I've got something like that. Uh, yeah, Kiga Kiga Koyata. Yeah, just mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but. Yeah, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that except to say um, I he he took something that was this, this classic story and he added these mm. touches of, of Mikaisms in there that make it really, really cool. Mm. Which, which, it, what I find the most interesting about his psychology and his story is that um, he's been shown like this great kindness and consideration as the half-brother 
you know, he's been given like a special dispensation and treatment, mm-hmm. and yet he can't ever show any kind of like uh, tenderness or care or concern for anybody, and he's completely obsessed with death and murder. And before he meets his fateful end, he's like, hey, when I get on the council, we're going to bring back the Age of War. Yeah. You know, he's like completely surrounded by death. And then, as you say, when he finally realizes when he's in the mud that, you know, it's his turn, that death comes for us all, he's he's a little girl. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's such a movie thing. It's like us. We, we love to watch movies and we love to watch people get their comeuppance and we like to watch people die. But you don't want it to happen to you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's like if I had my choice, the whole world would be a robot war. And then, you know, once you get shot by a robot, you're like, oh, fuck robots. Yeah. It's like everyone's been put there for his entertainment. <laughs> right. So he can just sort of grab a woman and drag her into a room and, and rape her and then kill her husband. Um, it was so nonchalant, without, too. Without He's just thought. like, oh, who are you? She's like, uh, nobody. He's like, ah, you're one of those monkeys. You know, he's like, he, he like whittled her down to just a, a dirty ape that he could just do what mm. he wants to. Mm. But it's not gratuitous. This is one of the things I actually was really impressed by is that at times, I mean, obviously it's very violent and it's very action packed and it's very entertaining, but it's not sort of, you know, other films we've talked about, like the Lone Wolf and Cub series, which are really deliberately over the top gratuitous in a way that's really fun and pleasurable, you know, if you get off on that kind of stuff, which I guess we do. But this isn't really like that. You know, there is a certain amount of restraint. There's a certain amount of taste. You know, the horror is really horrifying. But I never at any point felt really that it was gratuitous. A lot of the violence, you know, is slightly off camera. You know, even at the beginning when the guy commits harakiri, you don't see him disemboweling himself. Right. You just see his face. Yeah. I, I thought that was re- really good. And I was surprised, actually. It leaves something. Uh, well, the screenplay of this was the guy who did Audition. And so there is this, mm. the, like, what the hell is going on on the back end. But I want to say that Blade of the Immortal, which came out just last year, that's Mickey as well doing a... Uh, a samurai film it was just what you'd expect from him like blood squirting right. out of uh torsos and stuff like very very much from the the 60s and 70s uh samurai films mm. yeah Mikay seems to be able to do almost anything doesn't he? Yeah. he's a very um very very versatile guy and i mean i love that you know the, the look of that movie it's so elegantly photographed and all the stuff at the beginning where they're meeting in all the different um i don't know what you call them you know they're sort of houses they're 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 um because obviously they're very sort of rich noblemen, and you you see inside the houses, and it's all just very elegantly photographed. Oh. It's it's a, a really classy production, and when you consider that this guy, Mickey, just reels off movies. I mean, it's Blade of the Immortal is his hundredth film yeah. or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like that. So the the quality on show is, considering how prolific he is, is really impressive. I aspired to get through them all, um, and I've probably watched 30 of his movies. A lot of them you can't mm. get here. Um, and But the, the one thing I did pull from it is exactly what you said. He can do anything. Um, some of my favorite um, of the Yakuza films are uh, in his uh, Black, um, what do you call it, Black Triad Trilogy, something like that. Um, but it was uh, Rainy Dog, just really, really well done. Very mm. dark and and it's just raw. It's very very cool. But then you know he does things like the um, bird people from China and uh, the happiness of the Katakuris, uh, and then Gozu, which is just David Lynchy and blow your mind. There's a part in that where milk stripping from the ceiling, breast milk is dripping from the ceiling onto some guy down below, and uh, there's a man who gets birthed out of a giant vagina. It he can do anything he wants. <laughs> He's got a messed up mind, doesn't he? But th- that messed up mind can also make children's movies. Yeah. Because doesn't he do that kind of stuff? Yeah, he did Zebra Man, uh, which was really fun. He did Zebra Man 1 and maybe even t- number 2. But it was very cute, you know. Uh, 
it like mm-hmm. a it very it's like somebody saw um oh what's it called uh um unbreakable and thought well yeah. how do we make this like a little stupider <laughs> like a little more power rangers <laughs> and we shove it in china yeah very very cool yeah Leave it. I, I read that he um shaves all of his hair off once a year so that <laughs> because he doesn't have enough time to cut his hair so every year he just shaves all of his hair off because he's so busy he won't actually have a chance to go and get his hair cut that's disgusting <laughs> all right well leap um what did you want to add something else in here i was just going to ask you guys um who is your favorite one out of the 13 Ooh, yeah that's a good question i i, I can answer um easily uh hirayama the badass of course the the seeing i yo the seeing i zadoichi slash the yojimbo the yeah fucking wonderful okay snap same yeah how about he's the uh, he's the baddest badass in this. He thing. is, and yeah, we're going to get to our favorite scenes here in a minute. And I go last, so I'm not going to get to tell that one. But one of you will. Um, what about you, Lee? Oh, it's the second in command. He reminds me so much of this guy. I'm going to call him Lee Van Cleef. He just he just cracks me up. He can talk people into anything and talk himself into anything. He's always popping. He's always cracking wise at somebody. Nice. And, and he's just styling. You know, everybody else is wearing black. He's like, he's like, you guys are stupid. They're going to be looking for people in black. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was the other, like, super, like, he was just super, like, skilled, stylish. He knew what the fuck was going down. Well, cool. Let's get to favorite scenes. Uh, I, I don't know. Who, uh, who wants to go first? I'll pick Lee. Why don't you yeah, go first? I'll pick Lee. You go. Okay. Go. Okay, so it's not a it's not like a glorious scene, and I think had I don't know how it got through editing, but that guy Otaki, he's kind of the chubby one, and so like Lee Van Cleef shoots the arrows, and he's like, "We're to commemorate your passing through, we're going to commemorate it with arrows." Yes. And kind of cut to everybody shooting arrows, and at the and to set the scene up, like they've literally separated the footmen from like the entourage on horseback, and they've created a kill box by blowing up the bridge so these guys are stuck with no retreat in this kill box and um there's this scene where they're showing all the different samurai shooting arrows and otaka is just like he's it's like the most unfortunate shot ever and he looks like a cross between autistic and taking like a really labor-intensive shit <laughs> and i just i i just couldn't get over it. i was like you know what i didn't want that to be my favorite scene but it was on top of like a beautiful action scene there was just like this one moment that I didn't catch the first couple times I watched it, but after I saw, I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then I rolled back through it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the most this is the most inappropriately funny thing on top of a mo- the most beautiful action scene where they murder these guys in that kill box." And that's it. That's that's my favorites. Very nice. All right, Stephen, take take it away. Well, first of all, sir, I have to ask you: How many of these are we going to get? We'll go two. We'll do two each. Okay, okay, that that makes it easier. So, uh, yeah, the, my favorite uh, badass in this movie, uh, and yours as well, uh, Hirayama, um, there's, there's just a moment, I mean, the whole, I mean, gosh, the whole sort of last 45 minutes are, are just uh, unbelievable um, from, you know, just as I said, uh, you know, one of the most extraordinary sustained pieces of action you're ever going to see. But, but it's full of these wonderful moments, and uh, one of them, um, so Hirayama's student, who's a very uh, young boy um but who is also himself a samurai who up until this point had never killed anybody uh is sort of chased into a room 
Um, and then he turns and you realize that actually this is a booby trap because all of the men come in after him and he has a candle in his hand. He throws it down and there's some sort mm. of combustible substance on the floor. It all bursts into flame. They all run off. One of them is on fire. And then Hirayama just looking, um, you know, incredibly powerful with his black robe on, uh, catches them all as they run away, hacks them all to pieces. But there's just one of them is the only one who's been caught on fire. And uh, you see him just get cut in half. And you know he's been cut in half just because you see the flames part. And I thought that was uh, just... That, that almost is a lone wolf and cub moment, actually, oh, yeah. but not quite as gratuitous. And, uh, yeah, I just I just love that. Um, but, I mean, the, the reason why that, that closing sequence works so well is because you don't get lost in the melee. You know, everyone gets their kind of cool moment or more than one cool moment. But uh, yeah. for me, that was one of the best. Very nice. Yeah, that was great, too. Um, well, mine's easy. Um, it's uh, of course the Hirayama and Okura scene again. Uh, it's the the scene setup is the guys come running around this corner and they're they're thinking, okay, um, it looks like we're in the in the clear. We're going to get out of this maze slash prison. And you can see this is very much uh, Seven Samurai. What? Um, but I think I am I getting his name right? Um, Toshiro Mifune's role in that. Is it Kenichi? Or is that from... No, that's from something else. Anyway, it's, the idea is, is we have a bunch of katanas and they're all just shoved in the dirt. And that's from the scene as it's coming in. You just see all the katanas kind of stacked there. And, you know, we know that now that the katana doesn't have a really long life. So if you're going to be planning to kill a lot of people, you're going to break a number of swords throughout that time. So I'm like, okay, this is the setup. here. We've got... We're obviously going to have a battle here. What I didn't know is it was going to be this. So Hirayama stands kind of in front and he says all right there's this huge group of people like 30 guys and he said he says to Ogura, he says Ogura, kill the men that get past me pauses mm. just says don't leave one alive and then he just goes and it's just it's a, it reminded me of the hallway scene from old boy uh it, it wasn't done in that like side scrolling way but it was really cool that he just it was like dancing he went from one side of the aisle to the other grabbed these katanas that were shoved in the dirt and just slashed the shit out of all these people he took down like 30 people in that scene alone and the ones that did get past him with one slash or whatever ogura was there to just go ahead and slash him down so we get all the way up to the end of that scene and i i think without a couple pauses he could have just finished it all off right then and there but there was a little bit of posturing and the weird little guy that kept screaming, die! Yet he was afraid to run. That, <laughs> of course, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Hanbai, yeah, he jumps out at that last moment. He, he has the dumbest pose. He's kind of like, he looks like, ha-ha, like he's, ole, in front of a bull or something like that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, at that point, our, our hero, Hiriyama's like, oh, crap, there's like another 30 guys running in, so they, they run off. But, yeah, it was, that was just one of the coolest sequences I've probably ever seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. The best the best thing about that is, like, when they think they've found the way, they do this shot and they pan, <laughs> and it's not like there's a few swords. It's like the suburb of Swordville <laughs> in this town. Right. Like, it's like Like, there are swords, like, everywhere. You can't, unless you watch the movie, you can't fathom how many swords can be placed in just random spots like how could that be useful i don't know but they're there and then like they when your your boy the badass when he pulls his two swords out and then you they like he, it's very slow so you kind of think oh this is going to be the, where he dies and then his his uh his um his his young man who's behind him kind of like strolls out there and he's got one sword and it's the way that their stances are like the guy with the two swords is set up in a certain stance and then it's the perfect complement 
um, with the kid behind him, and it's just the way they shoot that from like from a distance facing them, and it's just like the perfect shot. It's it like sends the sends like a chill up your spine when you first see that. Ooh, and now that you mention it, they qualified that early on in the film. They that that, that whorehouse, all these young men uh, pawning off their swords. So the the uh, mistress at that brothel was like, "Oh yeah, I've got a ton of swords." Like. And, you know, he's like, what are swords worth anymore? Because nobody uses them. We get a time of peace and all. But, um, yeah, it's, like, easy to think he, he could easily get himself 30-plus swords to just sort of strategically place. <laughs> I wanted to say as well, the, the Hanbai character is actually sort of... Uh, he's not really a baddie. He's quite a tragic figure, isn't he? Because he's sort of trapped by his own honor code into defending yeah. someone who is totally evil. And it, it's that whole idea that actually honor at times is something completely insane which um you know a film that you, you and i discussed quite some time ago harakiri really lays that idea bare um but it's it's just very sad that you know you've got this guy who's you know hooked up with uh, this really really evil powerful man in order to progress his own career and now is completely trapped into protecting him against probably all of his own other moral codes because the top of his code is you've got to be loyal to your master no matter how much of a you know psychopath he is so actually he's kind of a cool character in his own way and he the is 19... a badass too isn't he oh he is the the 1963 version of this film is way more about that the honor mm. um that he has to kind of you know be with this monster and protect him and give him the right direction and then the this other uh the you know honor to people and and you know stopping some kind of madness but yeah but it's more about that it's way more about that and way less about the action it has a pretty great ending like this but nowhere near i mean you don't have like the entire walls of of awesome sticks that look like yeah 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 not not at all in that way but it was really cool that was an impressive piece of engineering i mean wow (laughs) every time one of those happened i'm like what you guys you guys (laughs) where'd you get all these wheels and contraptions it was just like you know i'm like where where's kevin oh hands on his cheeks <laughs> it made me think of the three amigos isn't there a scene like that at the end of that where they uh, <laughs> you know they 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 don't they, they turn the town or don't they erect a fake town or something at the end of that movie uh i don't know very nice well, it was it was it's ridiculous but you just go with it exactly i loved it uh lee you're back up number two. Oh, okay so um the the um, the Lee Van Cleef character gets to finally like pop down, and he's approaching the entourage, the personal guard of of that bad motherfucker, and he's like, he and he's he's like, he calls him out. He's like, I'm here to take your life, and then you just see him just dice through these guys, and it's like Zadoichi level like murder. It's just quick and clean, but it also it's look like they look like they're really fighting it out. And he's just so fast that they have no shot. And then this one poor bastard like falls down and he's like he's tucking to Honda. He's like protect our master and then he falls into the creek and he like he looks like he's been butchered to death like with one solid blow. And then they they t- they um they get reinforcements and and then Hanbei re uh, syncs up with uh, Shinzon and the other guy, but it was just so cool because it was the first time you see him. Like you're kind of waiting for for this guy to see what his his shot is, and when you see the when you rewatch them all, like 
everyone kind of has their own badass moments, but his is like the most dominant. It's just beautiful the way he cuts through those guys so fast. And he calls them out. He's just like so casual. Like his shoulders are really relaxed. His demeanor is really relaxed. It's it's almost like an eerie comfortability with like with death. And it, it, it and he's just so he just he's just got such swagger about him while he's cutting these guys down that it, it was easily my favorite. Mm. Do you think anyone in this compares to Toshiro Mifuna? Is there anyone at that level here? Like handsome wise or what? No, I mean just uh, you know that kind of uh, vicious kind of animal, unstoppable sort of quality. I would say your boy the thief is probably animalistic, but more like a rat. Nah, Hiri- yes, Hiriyama yeah. was definitely very Mifune. I mean, he he was way taller, and that's what you have to be these days. Like you have to be more of a giant and more of a um, alpha dude. Where you know, mm. Mifune was one of us. You know, he's just a regular old guy that happened to be gorgeous and yeah. You know. But in the Seventh Samurai, he's uh, he's insane, isn't he? He's jumping up and down and screaming and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. I thought the the Koyata character yeah. was at least a nod towards. No, that. it was exactly that. That I, that's, yeah, yeah. I tried to make that point earlier, but yeah, they was like it yeah. was so obvious. But what I didn't get, and it was really weird, but um, it was that thing about him being a yokai, a supernatural yes. forest sprite of some sort. Because they find him there, and he's like shamed out on this stuff, but then he's super useful from then on so we just knew he was going to be great and some of the best scenes in this are him out there murdering people with his rock slings it's just there's a great scene right after our the scene that um i brought up with the with all the katanas it just shows him and he's whapping the fuck out of people in the head with these things like these huge this heavy rocks i guess the heavy rocks just smacking the fuck out of people in the head it's more hardcore than even you know the the ninchaku or something like that where you get mm. you get hit with this sling stick this guy's murdering i mean your head would be bashed in if he hit you with that thing yeah but don't you think that's what that's another reason why that that final sequence works so well because in in like less talented hands it would actually become fairly exhausting you know we can probably all think of modern action movies where you just feel like you've got a headache by the end because it's just pounding at you constantly whereas this thing you know there are elements of like there are nice character moments within this whole thing but there there's also comedy you know like the uh koyata character sort of you know saying oh you know samurais are arrogant and then you know throwing his catapult at them and hitting them with rocks and things and you know jumping over people and making jokes and stuff you know the, the, the tone kind of shifts between you know, hardcore action and then like comedy and right. then these uh, almost, I don't want to say quieter moments, but certainly moments where people are just cracking wise every now and again. And I, I think that's how you get away with doing 40 minutes of just killing. And it, it, it works. You don't feel yeah. exhausted. That and you do have the, like act after act after act of heroism, mm. which you don't normally see because we have, mm. we have 13 guys here and they all get to have their heroic moments. So it doesn't yeah. get tiring because you want to see it all. I mean, what if in all of our awesome movies... Well, I guess maybe they do that. I watch Justice League, but I don't remember it anymore. But I imagine all five <laughs> of those guys probably had their, their scene. I just didn't give a shit. Mm. Um, no. I just want to point out that the Koyata thing, if you remember when they first met him, he talked... He was, you know, my name is uh, Yasuke or whatever, and he's like, I come <laughs> I come from this, this past of great warriors or something. And it was just... Like I was, I expected them almost to say, "Oh, wait, your name—that's like a girl's name," which would have yeah. fit right with Seven Samurai, right? Where he had his like, he had his resume, and it was uh, some young girl, <laughs> yeah, some like eleven-year-old girl. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought it was going to laughing at him. 
Yeah, I thought that was going to happen, and then they played this way more clean with uh, with Koyata. That he, mm. he just get, okay, you get to come too. He's got his gross black teeth and his constant murdering rabbits, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I, I, I like how he cuts him down from the trap. He's like, you couldn't fucking lower me down. Like <laughs> that was one of the best scenes. Like, I said it too, like right, dumbass. Right after he did it, uh, I was I was watching this uh, with a friend, and I'm like, couldn't he have just lowered him down? <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's just mean, isn't it? It's so cruel, yeah. So cruel. I, I want to say as well, I'm, I'm disappointed that Lee didn't pick the one moment of nudity as his uh, yeah. his favourite scene. Oh, no, I, I, I know. thought that was Ghost's favourite scene. I didn't yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, but what hit me, you guys must be talking about the little boy who was peeing in the village. No, we no, were not. I wasn't. No, <laughs> oh. Actually, you're right, though. That's the, okay, female nudity. Oh, because I was like, <laughs> how did that, the how pod, did, you see. I was like, how did that boy have such a big penis? <laughs> You know what's so funny is he we we talked on the phone just before we recorded this, and I was talking about how that was going to be Ghost's favorite scene, and without rehearsing this with Stephen, Stephen has perfectly set up Ghost to be a pedophile, <laughs> and it's perfect. You know, oh, I, I, that's... The, the thing the thing that actually amused me is because you know obviously you 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 think of Kurosawa, you have to, and and how influential that is, and and another movie that we did a long time ago where Yojimbo. There's a bit at the beginning where I think it's Yojimbo goes into town and then, you know, it's like people are looking through the windows and they see him and they shut, you know, they shut the shutters and a dog is going down the road and it's got a severed hand in its mouth. Yeah. And I, and I think this is almost the same kind of thing. They ride into this town of death and the only person who's there is a naked boy pissing on the ground. <laughs> you know, I thought that I kind of that's like one ups that. No, really. What are you going to what is going to set you more at ease that this is not a setup? Because yeah. that was the key. It's like, all right. So what do we do, guys? Like. What could be? How about an old lady selling her goods? No, too obvious. Uh, what else do you guys think? Some kids playing in the road. Mm, that's better. Anybody else? Little boy peeing. Just fucking <laughs> pissing on everything. Oh, perfect. Yeah, they'll never think that we have a whole fucking, like, maze coming up and, and this, you know, this battle. Yeah, if they see a little boy peeing. Yeah, it was brilliant. Do you think and they instructed him? They were like, uh, no, they made him hold his pee for like a week. Yeah. They're like, no. They're like, and action. And, <laughs> right? When you see him come up, you can pee. But if you pee before that, I'm killing your whole family. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Okay, pee. <laughs> and he was dead. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the nude scene you're talking about was the dismembered lady, right? Oh, my God. That, yeah. That is, that's out of audition, isn't it? That's, oh, it was. It's the same thing. Yeah. Horrible. And what about the chick at the pond when he's looking at Opashi or Upashi? I was she like, was hello. Naked, was she? I don't remember. Well, no, but I mean, girl. she was hot. I was like, she yeah, was, but yeah. The, but then it was like, ah, oh, we didn't get to see. It, like, that, that's the only thing you can really, like, we should have gotten, like, when they went to the, to go visit with the geishas and drink sake, we should, I, we should have got a little fuck in there. But Mikkei, I mean, he's human. Well, I'll throw this out here. Just weirdly tasteful. Just for the Chimada, he looked like a lady almost the whole time. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Fair enough. Uh, you know what? That brings it all back. Okay, You're, it's uh, time for Stevens' second favorite scene. Oh, I guess because we've talked around this a lot, this doesn't. It's going to have to be another Hiroyama scene. And it's, uh, you know, that I was saying about the way the film starts off where it is just like Home Alone. They're playing all these clever tricks and then it becomes, you know, really visceral and really violent as their tricks kind of run out and they're just left to fight. And uh, and as you say, you, you see all these characters have the hero moments. You see most of them die. Um, Hiroyama's death is dealt with really well. Uh, the idea is that his um, his student, uh, who's, a, who's a boy, is 
sort of basically he, he gets a, a mortal injury and is lying down in the mud with his head sort of propped up on a bit of wood. And then you see uh, his teacher Hirayama uh, uh, being attacked through uh, his student's eyes. So the camera is tilted so that everything is uh, sideways. It's the wrong way up. And it's just very sort of gonzo and very, um, you know, very jittery and almost disorientating. It's quite hard to work out what's going on. And, uh, and, and it makes the whole sequence really immersive. And uh, Hirayama sort of follows the instructions that I think uh, Shinzaman gave earlier on, which is, you know, a samurai fights with his sword. And when he's lost his sword, he fights with a rock. And when he's lost the rock, he fights with his hands. And you actually see him do that. He's fighting, uh, loses his sword. And then you see him smashing someone's head in with a rock. And then he himself, I think, gets um, stabbed in the back or slashed across the back, finishes the guy off with the rock and then uh, dies in the mud. And you just see these two guys. Uh, looking at each other as their lives ebb away and I just thought that was as I say really immersive really visceral um, and you know again tonally quite different to everything else that's going on um, and and that sequence just really really stuck out for me as a quite a daring piece of filmmaking yeah I love that scene and he mm. what he what he had actually said was when you lose your sword fight with a stick yeah you might not have a stick use a rock and yeah. so you and if you don't have see, a rock use your fists oh, yeah you see that cane and Abel moment and he's like it's like even though they don't like go hard on the sound the visuals kind of just show like and it's like it's kind of off camera but you can see you can imagine your mind takes the bludgeoning to death of somebody in the head with a rock and you can just see it like there's just like a natural physics that your mind takes over yeah from the angle and it's just beating him senseless just like he said and then and when he when he collapses and he goes to look at his, his student you get like this feeling that you know at, at the end of the day they really believed and held true to the to the very end and what they were told Mm. There were lots of Bushido elements in this. Um, I I knew a few of these. I I wrote them down because I I thought of Yubi and how um, you've always liked that. You know, with Ghost Dog and the other stuff we do. But uh, at one point, they, there's the there are no big or small tasks. All are equally important. And uh, there was another great one too. Well, that one I loved. Uh, that if you you don't have your sword, you move here. Yeah, it was awesome. But okay, so are you guys ready for my number two? Yes. Okay, it's it's just so good, and you guys, I know this is definitely one that's probably high on both of your lists too. But it's just so ridiculously, like in your like it's the middle finger to the guy. So you know where I'm going already. So in the beginning yeah. of this, this dismembered lady, she has her tongue cut out as well, so she has to use um, a brush in her mouth to write on a a long uh, piece of paper that um, her village was was completely everyone was killed so she writes total massacre there's a point where um the other bad guys they're held in this uh what did you call it lee this death square yeah kill box kill box they're on the kill box and he says something like you know kind of like well what's up dude <laughs> like you could kill us and he just holds up the banner just that this is what it's going to be today total massacre so you guys mm-hmm. can go fuck yourself it was really neat it was the it was very boastful and awesome but you felt it right you're like we're gonna win um, yeah. No yeah. spoiler alert. We did win. I I, I love those uh, little awesome moments. Yeah. Um, there's another one where the, uh, the 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 guy with the spear who Oof. is very much a Ronan for sale, and and he 
has agreed to fight for two is it 200 ryu mm-hmm. and he kind of breaks that down and says you know it's this for this this for this this for this and you know 80 left over just to enjoy the pleasures that i've never enjoyed or whatever it was something like that anyway. and that's when lee van cleef stood up and was like you're my kind of motherfucker <laughs> you're my kind of motherfucker but then near the, you know at the beginning of the battle he's standing um on top of on oh, this yeah. wall and he says something like uh you know, he he unsheathes his spear, and, and when they realise that it's two hundred men, not seventy, because they thought they were going to face seventy men, yeah, uh, he says, "You you got me cheap for two hundred reals." Yeah. And I just <laughs> like those little moments. <laughs> yeah, it had also pictures. that that there's a badass point where they're stuck in that little kill box, and they think they found a way out. And Hanbei's like, you can tell Hanbei's like this old grizzled like NCO motherfucker. Yeah, and he's like, secure the room. And they're like, what? He's like, secure the room. And they go in there, boom, they're all fucked. I was like, yeah! Oh, and that was Michael Bay, right? That, or uh, yeah. or um, um, Takashi Bay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it was a great yeah. explosion. What did you learn? <laughs> Where did you learn? Oh, that's wonderful. It kind of has, has a Katano feel to it, you know? Yeah. Mm. He kicks that kid's ass for getting on the hood to wash the windshield. <laughs> yeah. What did you learn? Yeah, that was awesome. Katano and Mikay really should make a movie together. That oh. would be the most amazing thing ever. That would be. Too orgasmic. Yeah, like to, a really measured out Mikay and a, a wild uh, a wild Katano. Shit. Mm. Yeah, well, okay. Um, well, let's, uh, yeah. Uh, I think we're at the end here. Uh, we're going to get to our top six challenge. Um, I think uh, that said, I'm going to go grab a beer. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do a Steve. Uh, I'm going to go see my girlfriend, Latrina. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Baba. What are you doing, pretty girl? Is that my bitch? You're my pretty girl. I got to go piss, so watch the room for me, okay? One of my good doggies. The best dog ever. In the history of ever. Okay, I'm back. Cool. I'm here. Yeah, baby, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. All right. I love America. America. So, fuck yeah. All right, so I think we're just about to the end. So before we get to our top six challenge, um, I just want to make sure, because this was such a a movie filled with complete badassery, um, that everybody got a chance to say everything they wanted to say to, to our listeners to make sure we've hit home. If you haven't already seen this, Shazam, or if you have, you can be like, yeah, guys, you you, you saw that too. Uh, so we'll start with Stephen this time and uh, give us your final thoughts. I mean, it, I have said most of what I wanted to say, but it, it's an incredibly impressive, incredibly enjoyable uh, movie with a perfect, simple, clear, very involving plot, an incredible action sequence, a really nasty villain. I think this movie is a... I guess you could call it almost like a gateway drug into the films of Kurosawa uh, in a way uh, in that it borrows a lot of very familiar plot elements, makes them into something incredibly visible, visceral, visceral, excuse me, and enjoyable. Um, and if you watch this and you enjoy samurai movies, so you think you might want to, you know, watch more samurai movies, then this maybe will take you down a very interesting path. But as a, you know, if you're new to this sort of thing, um, and I guess if you're listening to this podcast, you probably aren't, but if you are, uh, this is a really, really good place to start, as Lee said. Uh, yeah, you know, to piggyback on that, uh, uh, the dialogue is amazing too. Uh, the this is a must add to your Netflix queue, and this is a this is like 
probably some of the best two hours on Netflix that you're going to find. And it's and it's been on Netflix for a long time. So you may not, if you're not familiar with the movie, you obviously want to add it in there. If you've got people around you who are, who you love action movies, but don't haven't, but they're uninitiated, this would be where you would, where you would want to be like, Hey, listen, we got two hours. It's burned through this. You're going to love it. And uh, it's, it's a great movie. And it's, you just can't, I, I when they when they mention the 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 four last forty minutes of the movie, it's to be seen to be believed. It's it's mm. spectacular. It never drags, does it? There's no. not. I mean, it's it's a fairly long film, but it really doesn't feel like it. Even even during the plot setup, um, it it's not slow at all. It just, you know, there's not any real fat on this movie. Um, it's enjoyable from start to finish, and. It has one of the greatest climaxes ever committed to film. I would say. Can you believe no, two no. hours and twenty one minutes, and it feels like I don't know a quick sixty? Yeah, you know, I wanted to also ask you guys when the bad guy gets his head cut off, does the head roll into a shit house? I think there's like a center, <laughs> and there's some shit in there. I think um, it rolled into a shit house. Maybe Did so. it not? I don't know if they had shit houses back then. It's the eighteen forties <laughs> in Japan. That would have been perfect if it, if it actually rolled into a shit hole. That would have been perfect. That could have been the closing shot of the movie. Okay, so and then, he some, shit, and then, he the, and then the kid, little kid, walks in and pisses on him. Yes, yeah, this is yeah, exactly. I was hoping you'd bring back little dick. I mean, normal dick. I mean, <laughs> probably that would be like his Indian name. You know, if it was yeah. the wolves, the right. land before time, the cut you never saw. <laughs> little yeah. dick. Kickstand boy, part two, pissing on the head. Uh, Where do you think that comes from? I got to hit the head. Oh, I don't know. That's where it comes from. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. I'll be right back. i got to hit the head. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's his head, and I'm a Yeah, he's still guy. in there. We haven't bothered to take him out. And I'm a little boy. <laughs> With a... I might just shit in his mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I will accomplish your wish with magnificence. No, this was terrific. It was filled with... Uh, awesome uh dialogue and the best action um of almost any of these it's easy to pull that off these days because all the story was written for you i can just say thank you mr mckay for making a badass film all right top six challenge uh who wants to go first you guys are equals so i don't ever go first you do go first sometimes and in times like this you could because who knows? You always want to avoid coming first. Okay. All right. Well, that means good. So I set it up that all of the number one, three, five questions are for Stephen. So he'll get those easily, okay. and that Steve, that um, that Lee won't get any. So we got it all set I'll up. Do, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. All right. So um, we all know the you know this the the legend the the unlucky thirteen the number thirteen unfairly has been considered an unlucky number and Friday mm-hmm. the thirteenth and all this shit. So I decided my top six would be on superstitions. Okay. Okay. So question number one, it's a superstition. What fruit should you never bring on a boat? Huh. What fruit should you never bring on a boat? Yeah, people get obsessive about this. It's like, no, you shall never, not you know pass. I've, I've never I've never heard of any such thing. Hmm? Uh, um, Pineapple apple nope it was the banana and uh oh i was gonna say that oh because i was thinking of banana boats that's the only reason i was gonna say well that's that's something i think yeah i think it's fair but um i went and i looked it up beyond the list Hmm. i pulled this question off of and looked and there was this guy it's a big deal like some of these people who own marinas and stuff they won't even let people come on if they have like a picture of a banana on their shirt or something like that it's like this big deal and he theorized that it goes back 
to the old days when some like banana boat shipment came from somewhere and like killed an entire town with some weird bacteria or something like that. Right. So it's okay. it just became a thing. All right. Well, anyway. and they got those crazy spiders on the bundles of bananas. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Kill you with one bite. Banana spiders. Too. Yeah. All right, number two for you, Lee. Uh, what liquid should you never do a cheers to? You know, cheers, should prost. Do... Yeah, just oh, what okay. liquid should you never do that? I'm going to say acid. Acid would be a really... I don't think you'd want to do... <laughs> the, the answer is don't cheers with water. Uh, German superstition... Uh, oh, Adam's Ale. Yes, a German superstition declares that if you cheers with water, you're actually wishing death upon the people you're drinking with. Well, and the well, idea back in the old days, the water wasn't clean, so. You know. And the idea stems from Greek mythology, so oh. there it is. Hmm. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. All right, number three, Mister Mister Chow. Um, yep. Popular accordingly in Great Britain. What animals mm. should you call out to at the beginning of each month for good luck? The first of each month, you say an animal's name twice. Uh, That's hard. I've never heard of that. So again, I've never heard of that. I'm just going to say cat. Uh, it's rabbit. You say rabbit, okay. rabbit Aww. every month. So saying rabbit, rabbit, or white rabbit on the first day of every month ensures good luck for that month. It's a common Is belief. A British thing. It's a common belief in Britain and North America, right. accordingly. Back to 600 BC, rabbits were thought to communicate with the spirits of the underworld because they lived underground. I've never heard of that, Not and it. I am British, so it can't be that common, but uh, okay. You didn't know what a butty was, so I had to teach you that in that one episode. So, <laughs> so, so you as, didn't know what it was. <laughs> no, you didn't know. You didn't know. I knew. I've always okay, known buddies. Right. Uh, Lee's my I'll buddy. Word for that. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking He's about. He's your bussy buddy. It's my butty it's buddy. The, okay. No, buddy. Oh, buddy boy. Yeah, that's right. Buddy boy. Right. Okay, number four is for you, Lee. Uh, name something you wear that should never be placed on the table. Condom. Your underwear. Underwear. Okay, this one. We both went for the same. We went for the kill shot. We were like, someplace near your dick. <laughs> All right, get this. In Britain, it's considered bad luck because it's supposed to symbolize the death of a loved one of putting your shoes on the table. Back in the day, placing someone's shoes on a table was a way to let their family know they'd passed away. Hmm. Okay. Those British and their superstitions, yeah, more like superstitions. Well, I mean, I, I've never, I've never been told about any of these things. I feel like they've been hidden from me. Mm-hmm. I bet if you asked your grandma if she was still alive, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll go and get a shovel. Yeah, go get a shovel. <laughs> you hold the skull with both your hands and you scream into the the nose cavity, <laughs> and you might get an answer. Have you heard? Have you not learned anything? You ask the hair to ask your grandma. Duh. Mm. Because they, they live in the underworld. They could be dig. I should get half a point for that. Number five for Lee. According to superstition, what is the... That's mar- not mine. It's his. He's... Oh. he's. No. Oh, it is mine. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it is mine. Oh, right. Because you said... You both said underwear and threw me off. God damn. said condom. Was... Uh, what? I think it must be my turn, mustn't it? It yes. like went yeah. first. All right. Yeah, I can count. I promise you. According to superstition, what is the worst day to get a haircut? Thursday. No, it's Tuesday. And oh. uh, it's bad luck according to the Indians, which we all know you hate anyway, so. Oh, yes, that's a You will not get your hair cut on Tuesday. It will look absolutely terrible, <laughs> my friend. You'll get such bad luck. 
He got his hair cut on Tuesday and now I have curry bum. <laughs> that man looks absolutely terrible. He must have got his hair cut on a Tuesday. <laughs> you guys are all going to hell. Okay, last one, number six for Lee. If you get this... Sorry. Six, you're the winner. Uh, if you get the winner. According to... According to <laughs> if you get the question right. <laughs> Listen up, it's number number six. If you guys could let me talk. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> my various guns. No, What's I'm telling on? you, my computer's not working, tech support. <laughs> Don't ask me if it's plugged in. Do you have your uh, Do you have your agreement number? <laughs> <laughs> I have a ticket number for you. I, I do not. And you're like, what do you say? I don't understand what you're saying to me right now because I'm in America. Because I'm an American. Yeah, but the the cruel irony is if it was like someone from like Boston or like the South, I'd be like, I don't understand what you're saying to me because I was born west of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, yeah. Even Texas. Like, ask the man the question. Yeah. What are you doing? Ask the man the goddamn question. (laughs) I have to tell you, I sit on some. I watch all these Netflix shows, and, and often it's the English. I'm like, what the fuck are they saying? Like, what on earth are you talking about, sir? Well, you always sound just we fine. We speak with great clarity and precision. It's the other guys. It's like they've got marbles in their mouth. I'm like, what was that? The more northward you get, like, the more you get to, like, Newcastle and majority kind of weird. Okay. All right. Well, number six, gravelly. Leroy Brown, baddest man in the whole damn town. What's up? Uh, what is bound to happen to you if you put your clothes on inside out in Russia? <clears throat> In Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their well, superstition. I know that for them, stripping is taking off their winter coat. Right. So this so is I'm putting on say, the clothes inside out accidentally. I'm gonna, Well, I'm going to say that if you put your clothes on inside out, that you will run out of vodka. No. Do you want to guess, uh, Stephen, just because it's the end? You put your clothes on inside out. What yeah, this is a superstition um, that what what do you, what's apt to happen to you because that you did that on an accident. That you will uh, die. No, it was you get beat up. Uh, beating is what you'll get, and they say if this does happen to you and you catch it, you can actually put your clothes on the right way and, and immediately, and then have like a friend hit you like on the arm or something. And that will get rid of the threat of the actual full-on beating you'd get in Russia. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's really strange. And, and I live in America. Okay, tiebreaker. Finish this sentence. Sing at the table. Whistle in bed. Great head. Mm-hmm. Sing at the table. Whistle in bed. Sing in the shower. No, that's here he said sing. The devil's going to get you before you're dead. Huh. So well, that was a... Pure, we just both losers. That was a pure fail on my part. I mean, i got to take a little blame here. Uh, would I have gotten any of these myself? Banana, maybe? No, I wouldn't have. Tears with water I would have gotten, because that's obvious. Yeah, that would have been my guess, to be fair. I but thought, it, was, it wasn't I my thought, question. I thought about water. He's like, like acid. Oh. He's like, acid. Yeah. Right, because you often <laughs> do tears with acid in your glass. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's something you don't want to do. I mean, call me crazy. You know, I'm... I would have chosen call me, call me provincial. I would have, that's not a superstition. If the person drinks it, they're going to die. Right. It's like, well, obviously, fecal matter. Because <laughs> you'll get sick. Can, can you imagine doing a Cheers with Acid? How awesome that would be. It's like the gasoline fight in Zoolander. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, I probably would have gotten the rabbit one just because I love rabbits. But um, shoes on the table? I don't know, maybe. What do you not want to see on a table? Underwear? Come on. Pe- people put shit on the table to fold them all the time. Shoes? I've never put my underwear on the table. I just want you to know that. Or my uh, shoes. I, so, I, when I know. fold my underwear, I put a cute little stack on the table. And I, I usually put I usually put my SpongeBob ones on top so I can wear them first. You guys, you win nothing. You get nothing. <laughs>